and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got your daily assist coming up uh, here shortly. We'll talk to our friend Sam Amick from The Athletic. We'll get his thoughts on uh, what's going on around the league. We'll ask him about the, uh, you know, it's kind of become a, a hot topic lately, the wear and tear of the condensed season. Gordon, is there's been uh, uh, several p- pieces done out there, so we'll, we'll get his take on that. In fact, let's, uh, let's jump to it. Austin, let's hit the open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What's going on, Sam? How are you this fine Thursday? Hello, Jake and Gordon. I'm hanging in there. How are you guys? We're doing pretty good, you know. Uh, a couple nights off from the Utah Jazz. Uh, they're back at it Friday in a, or tomorrow, I guess, in a in a random afternoon game, Sam. But you know, relishing. Uh, I do the the Jazz pre off and post, and I'm relishing having uh, two nights off because it's been so rare, and it's been a hot topic of conversation: the wear and tear on the players with this condensed schedule. What do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's a lot on the players. We're seeing the ripple effect on the injury front um i don't know there's part of me that that kind of says i'm sympathetic to it but this is what happens when you know when you sign up for this kind of a season and you know it started with the league and the players obviously agreed but they lost a ton of money last year i think uh in the neighborhood of a billion and a half dollars and you know we're trying to recoup as much as possible this year and so I get it, but when you finish in October and start again in mid-December, and then when you uh, you push all the way through, you know I think the the uptick in games, if you look at the actual numbers, is it's marginal, but it is it's it's you know substantive, but it it, it is also running the risk of you know kind of leaving a black eye on the uh, on the regular season. Just a lot of teams that are that are not what they thought they were going to be because of the health stuff. So, Sam, if you were managing a team, how would you handle it over the final 20, 15, 10, five games? Would you, if you had a shot at the number one seed in the West like the Jazz do, would you, how much emphasis would you put on getting that top spot? Or would you emphasize making sure everybody is healthy and rested? I mean, it kind of, it's hard. I would monitor it every day because the one thing for the Jazz that, they got to watch out for is where are the Lakers going to fall? You know, and they've won some games recently. And so, you know, but that's a, a real thing. Cause my first inclination would be to say, listen, home court is home court, you know, um, try to get healthy uh, or try to get rested, you know, and do some kind of load management down the stretch. And you got to try to avoid the Lakers. You just don't want to see them in the first round. Uh, you know, and I don't have the standings in front of me. I don't know how, 
possible that is at the moment. But beyond that, you know, to me, um, whether you're facing the seventh or eighth team in that first round is a pretty little, you know, very little consequence. And you know, you got to make sure the guys feel good going to the playoffs because it's going to be a long haul. And uh, you know, in, in a team like the Jazz, where you've been pretty healthy. At this point, you're trying to, to, you know, kind of hate to say it because you sound like you're insensitive about it, but like exploit the weaknesses in the market and the weaknesses of, of your opponents. And, you know, they're in a pretty good position to do that. Sam, I really enjoyed uh, your latest. I think it came out yesterday. Um, <clears throat> really taking a stab at a question I think a lot of people have been asking how Jamal Murray's injury impacts the the uh, the Western Conference. And would always recommend our listeners to read your uh, your work. Although I gotta you know put a a, a little warning that it, it contains some uh, flashbacks to some memories from the bubble that probably won't be all that pleasant. But uh, let's talk about uh, that. What a what a terrible injury for him. That was I was watching that game when that happened and. You, you, your heart just dropped for the guy, but let's let's talk about how that impacts things in this uh, crowded Western Conference. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, although it's funny, you know, last night the Nuggets go out and take care of Miami, and I don't think Miami had Jimmy Butler, but regardless, play well, and Jokic has a triple double, and Porter Jr. has twenty five and ten. And I got a text message after the game from my buddy Mike Singer of the Denver Post. I used to work with him and. Um, he sent me a tweet where he had quoted Michael Malone. And I, I think the quote was, you know, we don't pay attention to the media narrative, especially nationally. <laughs> uh, where it was like people are assuming, myself included, that you just can't lose Jamal Murray and not, you know, fall off some sort of a cliff. But, you know, the first game out, they looked pretty good. And they are still a very talented team. You know, I, I still have a hard time seeing them do anything beyond a kind of a second round finish. That would that would shock me if they were a conference finals team. And you know, but we'll see. Again, Porter Jr. is a guy that, you know, who knows? Maybe that's the story. Maybe he has, you know, kind of an ascension that is born out of Murray's injury that, that we didn't necessarily see coming. But I, I think it's, you know, another injury that changes things in the West. To me, it is a like I wrote, it's a Lakers, Utah, Phoenix top three type situation. Um, you know, the, the Clippers within there, uh, in there as well. I think I have the Clippers above Phoenix. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot of parity. And I keep going back to the Jazz for obvious reasons, but, you know, a real opportunity for their squad to, to go write a hell of a story coming out of last year and everything they went through and, and then playing as well as they did this year. Uh, but it's going to be tough because the West is, is, I think, very, very, yeah, very even. You know, it's interesting, Sam, that whole idea of a team being able to rally around uh, the loss of a star and then to win a game or two in the regular season. The playoffs are totally different, man. I, I yeah. agree with you. I don't know how the Nuggets – I still think they're a talented team, like you said, but I don't know how they can be anything close to what they would have been otherwise, anything close to what I was sort of figuring they would be, like you said, in that top group if they were completely healthy. But they're not, and that's – that's the reality, man. It's different in the post. Well, if you even, like, guys, if you go back and look at that series against the Jazz last year, like, what what was front and center in that series? It was Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell. And it was incredible. And if you, you know, if you don't have a boxer to put in that ring, so to speak, then the uh, the Jazz are moving on. And so the playoffs are different. Um, you know, but I will say, even after I wrote what I wrote, 
Yeah, I don't know. There's a little nuance there. Aaron Gordon comes to town. He's a guy that, you know, uh, career high, almost 18 points a game and scoring a few years ago. Right now, they, they haven't needed him to be that guy at all. He was averaging around 10 or 11. Um, so, you know, and Jokic in particular, who knows? You know, for one, I'm really curious to see if he can hold on to the MVP award because, you know, if, if they play 600 ball down the stretch, then he's still the MVP, I think. I think the only way he loses it at this point is if, if they completely fall apart. But, you know, see if, if we're underestimating Jokic and his ability to, to carry them in a way that, that uh, you know, maybe we thought wasn't possible. In that uh, examination of the Western Conference post Murray, you're uh, you're still you did kind of a quasi power ranking and still had the Lakers uh, at the top of the West. And um, was was that uh, I guess was that opinion shaken at all with the with the injuries, or is it one of those things where they're still on top until someone proves otherwise? Well, I'm just going on their timeline. As long as you know the AD injury is the one I would worry more about. He's got that calf strain. He's been out a very long time at this point. So that ranking definitely comes with, you know, a disclaimer of it is projecting that, you know, he and LeBron both are reportedly going to be back late this month. I'm kind of, that's the rough timeline that we've been hearing. And so then you would have about three weeks to get ready for the playoffs. And if this is a LeBron AD, you know, Dennis Schroeder, um, team, you know, with the rest of that crew. And, and I know they swapped out Rondo and they swapped out Dwight Howard and they have different pieces from last year. But, yeah, it, it's basically kind of a hat tip to the champs that as long as LeBron and AD are there, I'm going to have a hard time betting against them because as much as I like the Jazz and what they brought to the table, kind of like Gordon said, like the playoffs are different. And like it or not, the playoff resume for the Jazz, you know, coming off of last year is not good. And, and we need to see their ability in the postseason to, to do what they do. And even within all that, I wonder, you know, the Clippers are really good right now. And, you know, I, if they've fixed their chemistry, if they've kind of fixed their culture, then I think they're going to be dangerous. And, and specifically because they've got a, a fairly similar three-point attack to what Utah's been doing. The Jazz have been getting all the love being the best three-point shooters in the league, but the Clippers are actually shooting a, a, a better clip and, and, uh, and kind of bringing a similar approach. You know, Sam, I'm sure your family was extremely disappointed when you chose not to become a doctor. But uh, let me ask you a doctor question. Anyway. <laughs> that calf injury, the injury you were talking about for AD, is that, do you know, have you looked into that at all? Is that something that could linger into the postseason? I haven't, yeah. That's your uh, expense as a uh, you know, medical school, uh, I don't know. I just know that the vibe around it seems to be strange. It wasn't supposed to last this long. Um, but, you know, and, and AD in general, I think, has a kind of history where we're not like, because he's a champion now, I don't feel like in the media we've highlighted this very much. But there has been that thought across my mind um, of like, Oh man, here we go again. AD on the shelf, which has been the story of so much of his career. So, who knows? I mean, if he's not right, then the Lakers are not going to be on top. Sam, is uh, the current situation with the Atlanta Hawks an example of uh, head coach or what impact head coaches could have? I mean, after they moved on from Lloyd Pierce and put Nate McMullen there or McMillan, excuse me, uh, there they've they've been a completely different team. Yeah, they've been really good. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, Trey Young uh, doing his thing. He's even one without him, which is pretty surprising. You know, Dave McMillan um, comes in there as a guy who, you know, in Indiana was uh, kind of internally, I don't know what the word is, frowned upon for, like, uh, defensive-minded, but he, he wouldn't shoot as many threes as they wanted, and, and they didn't necessarily feel like they could kind of get through to him from a – you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. And so I think, you know, we're guilty in the game of saying, okay, I guess, you know, Nate's days or Nate's days are behind them. But, man, he's coaching butt off. You know, they look really good. They're deep. They got healthy at the right time. Uh, Bogdanovich all of a sudden is, is a real impact player for them. Uh, Lou Williams is saving the day when Trey's not playing. So they're deep. You know, I'm not throwing them on my cattle contender list, but they are a team that, that appears to have, uh, have finally figured it out after they, they got off to a tough start early on. And even, you know, winning without John Collins, Clint Capella, I know our, our Hawks beat writer, Chris Kirshner, uh, wrote the other day that he thought Capella needed to be in that defensive player of the year conversation, which, you know, I'm sure Jazz fans love hearing that. Um, but uh, they, they got a good thing going for sure. Speaking of that, Sam, uh, Jake and I had a conversation the other day off of uh, Ben Simmons' comments about Rudy Gobert, kind of putting Rudy down to elevate himself. And we were talking about whether that kind of thing affects votes. Do you – I mean, I'm assuming you you still have votes in, the, in this kind of thing. Does How do you handle that sort of thing? Does that have any effect on you at all, or are you just going off your own mind's eye and off the statistics and whatnot? Um, I mean, you're going off your own – Mind's eye, and, and then breaking it down, you know, certainly as that time gets closer, you really kind of dive in and try to look at all the numbers. But, uh, you know, I do think that, you know, players being outspoken, it'll 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 do this. It'll make sure that you do a double take when you look at it. You know what I mean? Like James Harden comes out and says, I'm the MVP. Well, I, that got my attention. I was like, man, okay, I don't think so, but let me look again. And I did a story a couple of days after that. And I think I had James like sixth. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, James has the MVP. Let me put him number one. But it makes you look at it again. Um, the Simmons one, if, if I'm being honest, it has made me uh, do just that, I guess. Like, I am going to need to look harder at what he's bringing to the table because I know his reputation and I see the impact. But if I, you know, but my, my view right now and for a long time has been. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's not the same impact that, you know, that Rudy, who is kind of the, the absolute, not the X factor, he is the reason that, you know, the Jazz can have the defensive identity that they have. And the one kind of kryptonite that people hit on Rudy about, you know, the switchability and, and putting him in space has just only gotten better over the years. And there's been quite a few times this year where some pretty impressive highlights where he gets out there and, and, and it's not the, the train wreck that people assume it's going to be. So I don't see it, um, but, you know, Ben's obviously a top of the dude and, and certainly a hell of a defender. So it, it kind of it just makes sure that you look at it, I guess. 
On that kind of note, Sam, is there a stat or, uh, you know, a, a, an analytic that you like to consult with when deciding impact defensively? I, I ask because I've, I've asked a lot of uh, our guests if there's a, a stat that they like to point to to make the case of, of Rudy's impact. But just overall defensively, is there, is there a stat or an analytic that, uh, that you use or rely on? I mean... It's, you know, I'm, this is not exactly outside the box, but I mean, try making sure you look at the on court, off court defensive rating numbers, um, and then maybe play with those numbers a little bit on, you know, three man lineups, four man lineups, and trying, because, you know, if you cast such a wide net and just have the net rating when, when a guy like Rudy is on the court versus off the court, there's a lot of stuff um, in between that is making the number in, imperfect, I guess. But it certainly shows you. I mean, it's not that different than if we're looking at MVP, you know, okay, when Jokic is on the floor, uh, you know, what are we looking at? So defensive rating, you know, value over replacement player is a fairly reliable one, um, you know, just showing you that gap between whoever you're looking at and, and the average player at that position. Uh, but I, I think we, as reporters, we still got to make sure we're doing our job of kind of the old school variety too. And, uh, and this is a little bit harder these days, but, you know, talking to coaches about just their opinions, you got to be humble about the fact that even though I watch the game a lot, I just simply don't watch the game like coaches or players do, nor do I have the background on the court that they do. So you can, you got to be humble and ask questions. And that's the easiest way in the past for me to crystallize an opinion on awards is like, you know, let's say you reach out to, 10 different people about a certain award and nine of them come back with, with one answer. It doesn't mean they're hundred percent right, but it, it should be a decent indicator. So, you know, trying to have those kind of conversations helps too. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that Sam, because uh, when we watch Rudy play, first of all, we we're not in the locker room before games of opponents who are game planning and they have to factor in Rudy Gobert is how they're going to go about their offensive strategy for the night. But the fact that they have to do that is pretty remarkable. And then how many times we've seen, and Jake and I aren't homers, we try to look at things objectively. But I can't tell you how many times, Sam, we see an opposing player dribble in toward the rim and then turn right around and dribble back out because Rudy Gobert is standing there. And that doesn't show up yep. in any kind of stat. you know. No, it doesn't. And the other hard part about being, this is for any small market, is – you end up having like flashpoint moments throughout the season that either help or hurt a guy's case. So one early on that when it comes to Rudy, and I do think it's his award to lose right now, but one little memory that has been, that tugs at me every time I think about his season is and it's only one game out of 72, you know what I mean? But that one game against Denver where Jokic gave him like 20 in the first quarter and, you know, 40 plus, for the game, those are the kinds of games that not only impact voters and media members because we are all kind of suckers for that mono-a-mono type matchup. So it's like, you know, that stuff comes into play too. There are certain games that will probably be weighed in uh, disproportionately because of the optics or because of the stage or the spotlight, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, it's kind of a combination of all those things. And um, I also think, like, the whole idea – I, when I check in with coaches, I trust the coaches a lot. Players are tricky, man. Like, 
players sometimes, I think they're crazy with some of their opinions. You know, guys <laughs> last year acting like Giannis had no business even being in the running for defensive player of the year. Uh, and I get it, you know, especially in the playoff series against Miami when everybody wanted them to guard Jimmy Butler and, and he didn't. So, um, you know, but, but in general, there's just times where I just, you know, you got to be humble and yield to the players, but you also are kind of scratching your head going, well, Sam, thank you for jumping on with us. As always, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. Talk to you next week. There you go. Sam Amick from The Athletic, senior NBA writer. I thought his, his piece about, uh, you know, the impact on the Western Conference, uh, uh, Jamal Murray injury, I thought it was uh, was really, really good. Again, he, he <laughs> harkens back to the bubble a little bit, so that might have to skip past that if you're a jazz fan. But uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. And uh, Sam is, is certainly one of the best out there for sure. Yeah, and I enjoy his candor when we asked him about how he goes about the voting and, and making judgments. And it turns out, Jake, that even though you and I were coming from different directions on that discussion that we had earlier, we were both kind of right because he 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 kind of considered both sides of that and did so unprompted by us. So uh, I believe him. I, I mean, I, I would definitely say he was saying I was more right, but that's all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll let that go. Of course you, know, you were, Under the yeah. bridge. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, he... Well, I mean, okay. So it's an advancement for me if I just come this much closer. <laughs> Two no, wrongs I, don't make it right, but he thought Jake was he right. He did. No, I thought he gave a great answer on it, though. I, I, I do. As always, I mean, Sam's Sam's terrific. I mean, he's amazing. We're, we're so lucky to have all our daily assist guests, but, uh, you, you know come in and, and share their wisdom every single week. But Sam is the best. Appreciate him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wonky stats to prove how good Rudy Gobert is, there's one making the rounds out there on the social media we'll get to coming up next. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, that'll be the day when you say goodbye. That'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're going to leave me. You know it's a lie, cause that'll be the day when I die. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. They've got their spring LASIK sale going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. Gordon, I know you don't like covers, but that's a good cover right there. Yeah, not bad. I love Buddy Holly, and that's a that's a solid cover right there. Okay. The pride of Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that— uh, I noticed it wasn't with Aaron Neville, so it sounded good. It did sound good. Yeah, knocked, they knocked that off right now. Come on. I read a Buddy Holly biography, and if I remember it correctly— because uh, it was when I was quite young, like uh, junior high age, maybe even younger. But uh, that uh, music contracts were so one-sided back then. And, and granted that he, he passed prematurely, obviously, but that he didn't make like a red cent during his career. That's pretty amazing. Oh, wow. That's sad. That's super sad. Yeah. So anyway. Come in with these up-tempo records. Yeah, I did that, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, all right, Gordon. Uh, this, this has uh, been a topic of conversation on the social media today. There's a, a stat that is out there uh, called the Raptor stat, and it's from 538. The Nate, uh, 
<laughs> Nate Silver website. Um, and, you know, the methodology, it's, it's, they're very thorough. But basically, it's, a, it's like real plus minus or box plus minus, one of those analytical stats where they, uh, you know, put together a formula and come up with a ranking. And by their own admission, you know, these types of stats are, are far from perfect. Um, but you, you and I had talked about this yesterday, the, the use of stats when confirming or not confirming an opinion on such things as MVP. Um, oftentimes, it's the, the person interpreting the stat brings their own biases to the table. But nevertheless, this is out there. And they have an offensive uh, Raptor rating, a defensive Raptor rating, and a total Raptor rating, Gordon. And uh, it, it's interesting if you want to compile through it. But Rudy Gobert is number one in defensive Raptor rating at plus 7.7. Uh, next is Clint Capella at plus six, and then Joel Embiid and Jakob Pertl, of all people, at uh, plus five. But um, there's been a comparison to the Raptor rating of all time, and if you go back to it, Gordon, Rudy Gobert at plus 7.7 is having the best defensive Raptor season of all time. Is that his overall rating, or is that his defensive rating? That's defensive, as yeah, I okay. just – All right. I thought uh, you said overall. Uh, no. Defensive. Okay. De- okay, gotcha. Defensive. Raptor rating. Uh, the best defensive season of all time. So Rudy's at a yeah, plus 7.7. Next but, would, but, but Ben Simmons put 42 on him, Jake. Well, I'll get to Ben Simmons in a second here, all right. All right, Gordo. Uh, but going through history, the current best defensive season of all time, according to the Raptor rating, is Ben Wallace in 2004. At plus seven point three, and that would be their title team, right? Two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. David was. Robinson in ninety two is next. Gordon at plus seven point two. Then Ben Wallace again in 03 at plus six point nine. Uh, Hakeem in ninety one, six point eight is after that. Draymond in uh, two thousand seventeen plus six point three. So you know, special defensive performances. Indeed, surface out in these uh, in these defensive Raptor ratings, and uh, Rudy Gobert is plus seven point seven. Now, all Gordon, time, I, all time high, like you said, that's that's impressive. Now, now on to your your guy Ben Simmons, Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if you've uh, thumbed down to see this information, but do you know <laughs> what his uh, his defensive Raptor rating is? I'm looking for it right now. <laughs> I haven't gotten to him. Wow, how far down is he? He's at a plus 1.7. Well, he's not negative. No, no, he's not in the negative. That is true. And that, of course, is what you look for in a defensive player of the year, right? Uh, You don't hurt. I don't hurt my team (laughs) defensively. So... I'm not what the most it? defensive liability on the team. Give me his number one more time. Uh, his number uh, is 1.7. Okay. Well, that's, you know, the, these formulas, I, 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 there is some use to them, but certainly I'm not going to draw a conclusion off this stuff. Well, I, here, for example, is a flaw, Gordon, and we were just talking about this uh, during the break. Mike Conley is actually ranked number eight in defensive Raptor at plus 4.1 this year 
Gordon, and he actually has a higher total Raptor rating than Rudy Gobert does, but plus 4.1 defensively. Now, does that mean Mike Conley is the eighth best defensive player in the league, or does that mean Mike Conley plays the vast, vast, vast majority of his minutes with Rudy Gobert? <laughs> well, I, I think I suspect the latter, maybe. But so that clouds the stat. This is why statistics are so imperfect. Uh, maybe, possibly, and I, I think I'm with you, but if, if as you read more into the on-slash-off rating in the Raptor formula, which determines how a player plays when they're on the court versus off the court. It then also dives into how they play with the, the teammates or courtmates, as they call it, that they're most often with, which in this case you're saying Conley is most often playing with Rudy Gobert. They then minus that from how they play without Rudy Gobert in this instance on the floor. Then they dive into things like how many of their uh, shots were done with assists that led to their shots. Then they dive even further into how many of those assists were valuable or just happened to be right. an assist. It gets really into the weeds. Really into the weeds. Right. So I'm with you that perhaps it's just that Conley is playing with Rudy Gobert most of the time, and that's why his defensive raptor rating is higher than it would have been had he still been in Memphis. And that, honestly, is why stats aren't meaningless and should be part of the evaluation conversation. Just easy. I mean, Gordon, I've, I've told you this before. I mean, I've read enough uh, radio ratings uh, books in my life that you can find a story to sell in statistics. You know <laughs> what I mean? Sometimes you got to look a little deeper. <laughs> Sometimes a little deeper than others, but you can find something to sell if, uh, uh, you know, in statistics usually. So... You know, that's why they're imperfect. And that's why I honestly think the best NBA minds out there uh, when it comes to general managers uh, find their own specific formula in how to combine, you know, statistics to influence their opinions but not be the entire story. I actually think that's one of Dennis Lindsay's strengths because he's, he's an analytics guy, but he's also listening to voices in the room. I think, yeah. you know, the best, uh, the, the best that do it find a way to manage those to come out with the best opinions on what to do and what not to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Like Daryl Morey, for instance, is supposedly the king of analytics, right? Yet pretty much every movie he makes are like the worst analytical decisions of all time. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Trading for Russell Westbrook, for example. If you follow the analytics nerds, uh, Gordon, they hate Russell Westbrook. And uh, and yet you you trade for the worst analytic ranked guy in the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Use it for what it's good for, but don't marry it. That's what I'm saying. Well, marry it, but have an open relationship. <laughs> Polyamorous. <laughs> no. No. Don't marry it. Just use it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sign a prenup. Oh, on it. man. <laughs> uh, why buy the that cow, is... right, Gordon? This <laughs> is a bad geek. analogy. All right. Stay oh, tuned. Market oh. update coming up next. Mm. What's going on at four? Tim LaCombe at five. Me. It's a big Forgive show. Forgive me, honey. I didn't mean that. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Never been seen I wanna live that age old dream 
Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. How'd we do today, Gordo? Well, the markets were happy today. The Dow jumped up uh, just over 305 points. Tell me more. <laughs> Was that Hatch? <laughs> it was. That's funny. The NASDAQ jumped an even higher percentage at 180, nearly 181. Mr. Fuzzy Pants. <laughs> what in the world was Lloyd talking about uh, with that? That's the movie zone. That's the zone, movie zone phone right there. Mm. Remember when I filled in for him on that one? Do you remember that? I do. You did great. How did I do all right? Yeah, okay. you did great. Okay, and the S&P was up uh, 1.1%, up nearly 46 points. Scribble-dee, scribble-da. Wow. <laughs> How about that? An all-producer version. At, at some point, can we hear the, the movie's own phone outtakes again, <laughs> or at least or at least portions of them? Lloyd and I were just listening to the David Oyelowo flub. Those were those were classic. Lloyd Lloyd did that movie zone phone for a long time. That was a good bit. Uh, now now I gotta hear it. Now, I mean, oh no, not, it's not, too it's honestly too long. We nine should, minutes we long. We should do it for <laughs> and, and Austin has kind of reserved that one for a special occasion, so maybe we, we well, keep it. Well today can be a special occasion. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. What's Go. going on coming up next? 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone.